had the opportunity to speak with Chris Oppie, American author and longtime professor of history at UMass, about his ongoing community project, the Ellsberg Initiative for Peace and Democracy, and its collaboration with the UMass History Department. The initiative's work with the History Department's 2022 to 2023 Feinberg Lecture Series, Confronting Empire, aims to educate on the U.S.'s history and further movements for social awareness at UMass and beyond. Listen for more. start off I just introduce yourself you know what do you do here at UMass sure I'm Chris Oppie I have been at UMass since 2004 in the history department um, where I teach courses in modern US history with a focus on the United States and the world and more specifically um, my specialty is the American War in Vietnam and I've written three books about that subject and now I'm working on a biography of um, uh, Daniel Ellsberg, the the whistleblower who released the secret history of the Vietnam War to the New York Times and 18 other newspapers in 1971, the so-called Pentagon Papers. I saw you're involved with what's called the Ellsberg Initiative. Is that part of your book? Yes. Yeah, well, the University of Massachusetts acquired the papers of, of Dan Ellsberg in late 2019, which was an extraordinary um, coup, um, a treasure trove of some 500 boxes of material. Um, so uh, as soon as that uh, news came, I immediately began to, to think of, um, of writing a book about him, but more than that, to, to plan a year-long a course for uh, um, advanced undergraduates and graduate students and to put together a website and to have, which we did, I um, a two-day conference uh, on the, marking the 50th anniversary of the release of the Pentagon Papers. That was in the spring of 2021. Uh, and that led me to think that maybe we could build on the momentum of those projects and create something more permanent. So I began to pitch the idea to the UMass administration that we create an Ellsberg um, Initiative for Peace and Democracy, um, which, if it's ever fully endowed would become a, a permanent institute. Um, but that, that is a place where the, the mission would be to, to raise public awareness and scholarship and even activism um, on the issues that were so crucial to Ellsberg's life and legacy, which is peace, anti-imperialism, anti-authoritarianism, democracy, truth-telling, nuclear disarmament, and social and environmental justice. That's, that's a, a big but um, important mission. Of course, of course. And so when you want to establish this Ellsberg Initiative and have it be something permanent on campus, the Feinberg Lecture Series, that, that's a part of that? The History Department, every two years, uh, holds a series of lectures and panels and workshops and other programs, um, which is um, was generously funded by uh, Ken Feinberg, a, a UMass alum uh, and uh, a history graduate back in the 1960s, and um, this year's series is called Confronting Empire, um, about focusing on U.S. imperialism and, and anti-imperialist resistance, and the Ellsberg Initiative uh, collaborated on, on that um, pro- 
project. So um, it's really it is a, it is the Feinberg series, but it's it's sort of a way of um, the Ellsberg Initiative kind of dipping its toe into the water and right. beginning to help with some programming before we really get formally and officially launched on our own, which I hope will start next year. What relation does UMass have to the subject? Like, why is it important to present these lectures now, especially on imperialism, you know, to young people? Well, I, I, my, speaking from my, myself, I mean, there are a lot of my colleagues have helped to put this program together, particularly Diana Sierra Becerra and uh, Jess Johnson. Um, but my own feeling is that uh, deep in, our own history is a, a broad faith in what might be called American exceptionalism. And one of the core tenets uh, of that faith is the idea that the United States has always been the greatest force for good in the world, always on the side of democracy, freedom, human rights. Uh, and um, that faith is held without really testing it against uh, reality, which, which uh, all too often uh, fails to validate or justify such a claim, and um, nor have we ever really owned up to the reality of American imperialism. Um, we, our leaders, don't uh, have rarely used that uh, term. Certainly, in the last uh, hundred years or so, they have avoided it. Um, but you know, we are um, the only country in the world that has uh, more than 800 military bases on foreign soil. Uh, the only country that's, that uh, spends on uh, its military uh, more than the next 15 most militarized countries in the world that conducts um, military exercises and operations in two-thirds of the countries of the world every, every year, uh, and, and on and on. This, by definition, is the is, you know, template for an imperial uh, footprint uh, around the globe. So I, I think it's really important for young people who are coming into an age where we're, we're spending all these resources. So I think um, as younger people, you know, enter, uh, you know, voting age and, and political life and, and, and citizenship, this is it's crucial to be thinking about. Is it, does it have to be that way? Is there a, is there a, is there a way that the United States can uh, can act in the world that um, really does make us more uh, force for good? Uh, how can we be uh, more effective peacemakers in, in the world? And how can our you know, diplomacy be more effective? So unless and until we really confront the, the history of the way we've actually uh, exercised power uh, in the world, uh, going back quite deep in our history, one of, one of our programs we just had with Mano Karaku goes back to the, uh, the, the days of uh, what he would call uh, continental imperialism, or other historians refer to it as settler colonialism, that is the sort of the conquest of North, the North American continent, uh, going uh, all the way at least that far back, and then to the present. We have programs in the spring uh, that encompass, um, for example, uh, on the right around the 20th anniversary of the U.S. invasion of Iraq, we'll have um, a panel discussion of the memory of that war uh, and its legacy. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the different panels and subjects. How did you go about, or you and your colleagues, go about picking the lectures for each topic? You know, because there, 
they're all under the same vein, but I think they're very, very like what you talked about, the one that just happened. Uh, yeah, it's a, it was a, you know, a, a long a process, and we, we consulted with colleagues in our department and elsewhere. Uh, but we, we thought that um, we, we should have a, a broad sweep geographically, so we wanted programming that encompassed uh, uh, Asia, Latin America, uh, the Middle East, and, and um, the, those are the, the, the principal regions we, we wanted to focus on, in part reflecting our own interest and specialties. Um, but we also wanted to have um, a broad chronological sweep of our programming. And we wanted to touch, if possible, on a variety of ways in which um, the United States has exercised power in the world. Uh, warfare, of course, military forms of military imperialism, but also um, forms of uh, cultural and, and economic imperialism will, is reflected in some of the, some of the programs. So um, it really is, it's, you know, you can't cover everything, right. uh, and, uh, but you, you want to try to do what you do as well as possible and, and give, give some, some variety as well as depth. Yeah, it's very interesting that, you know, I think that kind of serves as a symbol is it's going really beyond UMass and just the influence of this program is, you know, something that impacts the community. Right. Yeah, that's the hope, yeah. <laughs> um, there's Is there an in-person class at UMass that's a, related to the peace initiative or is it like anti-imperialism? Mm -hmm. Well, yes, the, we always try to encourage um, faculty who are offering courses that have some connection to or, or, or relevance to the series topic to ask, not to simply ask their students to attend these events, but to create some course assignments or okay. even just extra credit uh, for them to get engaged uh, in the Feinberg series. So students in my course on the American War in Vietnam uh, part of part of their course uh, work is to do um, a few to attend a minimum of two events this semester uh, and do a response paper to each and, and if they do more they could get extra credit and then the spring I'm teaching a course on US imperialism from the 1890s to the present called Imperial America and um, uh, that will be even more closely linked to um, some of these uh, Feinberg events so when there are there are uh, other courses on campus that are having students uh, engage uh, in various ways. I wanted to talk about a little bit. You said how it was important for uh, young people to understand these topics and you know think about debating these things and fostering you know communication and change about the issues. You know when. There's so many UMass students that are looking to go into STEM fields that would put them in jobs that would be in the global market and in other countries around the world. Like, how do you think having consciousness of the U.S.'s involvement on a global scale contributes to participating in like these kinds of careers? Well, I, I, my hope would be that uh, if students in STEM um, do um, take courses that bring them, you know, into uh, contact with the ideas presented in this series, uh, that they would be more um, self, 
sort of more just more thoughtful about um, the their choices, uh, not not uh, their career choices, but even with in their careers and in, in the work that they do, more engaged in um, the the significance of the of the way the U.S. corporation doing business overseas, uh, what the impact of that is on other cultures, and um, make a more sort of concerted effort to try to, to, to learn about these global issues and be a voice uh, right. within corporations uh, for uh, changing policies that they find to be disturbing in one way or another. And really even, uh, you know, in, in following the example of Daniel Ellsberg, uh, to have the moral courage, uh, if necessary, to uh, blow the whistle on wrongdoing um, overseas, whether it's uh, corporate or, or military or any other kind. It takes, it, it, it's, uh, not everybody um, has that moral courage, but uh, I think it's important to be ex- exposed to uh, examples of it. Um, Ellsberg um, faced a possible 115 years in prison uh, for uh, sharing uh, to with the Congress and the American public uh, I, evidence about what the United States uh, had done and the uh, decisions its leaders had done and the lies they had told, um, leaking it not to a foreign agent <laughs> or another country, but right. to the American people uh, alone, which is the first time the Espionage Act had ever been used in that way. Uh, though in in recent years, in this century, it's it's been used many times against uh, whistleblowers. I yeah, I just everything you're saying about like people being conscious and being willing to you know stand up against issues they see and educate it, educate themselves. It's important to me, you know, as a journalist and hopefully an economist, to you know be aware of where I come from and the biases I have. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, I, and I, I, I do find inspiration in younger people who, you know, not universally, but many are extremely thoughtful about you know, and curious about the implications of, of, of what their, of their own choices uh, and, and, and wanting to, to live a meaningful life that's not going to, you know, uh, exploit others. You're listening to WMUA News. I'm Flynn Vitor.